Hello, my name is Sebastián Castro Nicolescu, and I will be having a conversation with Juliana Moraes for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is August 15th, 2018, and this is being recorded at the New York Public Library offices in Midtown Manhattan. Hi, Juliana. How are you? Good, how are you? Great. Um, how are you feeling today? Feeling better now that I'm here. Yeah. I was yeah. a little bit anxiety, you know, a little bit anxiety kicked in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what are you excited to talk about in an interview setting? I am excited to, I mean, share my experience as a trans person mm-hmm. of color. Yeah. As a, you know, person that migrated here in the 1984 mm. before all this um everything you know going on now or mr 45 yeah yeah you know i li- i came through that way mm. i mm. came through mexico through you know the border which yeah. they're trying to create the wall yeah. i was one of those people back in the day wow okay. my mother brought me on her backs so i still have flashbacks wow I remember the sky being that purple, that dark purple, right before um, sunrise, mm-hmm. you know, over the Rio Grande. Wow. Wow. So let's get started then. Where were you born? Brazil. Okay. Where in Brazil? Um, Rio. Oh, okay. Um, My father was Colombian, so we okay. moved to um, Colombia, mm-hmm. Cali. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, you know, I was growing up, I was just. A child that, I guess, you know, was always, like, outspoken. They said I was always um, gross, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, it was, you know, I'll call always, um, you know, outspoken child. Mm-hmm. And it was always, like, it was, they looked at us upon as rude, mm-hmm. feminine, rude, you know, yeah. outside the box, always, since young. I express art and femininity mm. at such an early age. And, you know, um, machismo and egotistic takes part of a big Latin culture. You know, it's part of the culture. So it's, I was shunned upon mm. by my aunts and uncles. And my grandmother was more, um, more um, leaning with me. She was more, um, you know, comprehensive. You know, mm. she wasn't so rough like my parents were and stuff. Where, you know, we're coming from a religious background, Jehovah's Witness and all that, you know, at that time. Well, at that time, we were, you know, Christian, but, you know, them later on. But pretty much like that, you Mm -hmm. know. And then, you know, and then, you know, we just got to this country. I remember, you know, moving from state to state. Mm -hmm. And then reaching what's called Jersey. (laughs) Jersey, growing up over there. And I remember, you know, high in grammar school everything from I repeated a couple of grades and everything was uh, was because you know I it was like at that time you know we didn't have counselors like we did have counselors but people that really didn't listen to us mm-hmm. as a person you know what I mean it was just like it was everything on the on the standards of cisgender people yeah it's a disgusting mold it's just that has you know created so much anxiety and trauma in my life mm-hmm. you know it's like and now I just I live by myself and I try to just coexist, you know, yeah. and just leave all negativity outside, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, hmm. 
So people are so toxic to us, you know, they can be so enforcing their ways, you yeah. know, and, you know, when you grow up hearing that you're wrong, everything you do is wrong and they're right, it's like you blame yourself and you shun yourself. It's like, it's ridiculous. And then when you, know, then when you grow up and, you know, 37 now, it's like, you, you know better now. It's like, wait a minute, I was right all along. <laughs> I was in a fucked up child. I was in a messed up child. Yeah. They were the messed up people. Mm-hmm. You know, society makes us look like we're the villains. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're some gentle flower. Yeah. Or this, um, you know, I was in the prettiest boys. Another thing I noticed, because I was, I was a dark child. I was black. <laughs> you know, I'm black. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. light-skinned now because of the hormones. But as a person of POC, I was, my parents would, like, everybody would look at me like, Oprechino, the the black little kid. Mm. So it was literally the black duckling of the family, you know. Mm. And I suffered racism because of that. Like my mother's friends, like they would make fun of me, mm. and I would feel so bad, so bad. Mm-hmm. So music was my escape. Samba was in my soul, <laughs> and I would put music and just dance and dance my worries away. And up to today, t- dance is my therapy, and it's my, you know, it's brought me out of a lot of um. You know, I cope with a lot of things with music. Music is therapy for me. It's mm. in my blood. Mm. You know, my ancestors gave me that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, that's my life now. I practice, you know, Macumba, which is, you know, the, the, the religion that the Africans brought, mm. you know, with them. Mm-hmm. And this is what I, you know, I, I, you know, I feel comfortable in all this now, you know? Mm. So I have a couple questions because I'm really interested but um starting off the phrase you used what was it um that had to do with like your darker skin what was the phrase I think it was in Portuguese? Yeah, you know just a black boy you know yeah. what I mean it was just like you know you, okay. so like like it was like giving birth to a black boy it's like you know everybody was like it was like yeah the top was cute but but then as you get older mm. you know people were like you know, you could feel you could feel a little, you know, a little uh, microaggressions, you know, mm. towards you, and you don't notice it till later. I'm like, wait a minute, that was so wrong. These people were doing that. Mm-hmm. How dare they? Mm-hmm. But you're so vulnerable, and you don't know better. Yeah. Because it's a systematic. You know how it is systematic, systematic um, yeah. oppression. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's embedded in the cultures. Mm. You know, it's all, all about white whitening the culture and. Gentrif- you know, gentrification, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're speaking specifically about, like, Brazil and Latin America? Or? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, the people have these thoughts, and then they, you know, it's just terrible. Hmm. So, at what age did you go from Brazil to Colombia? Uh, like, shortly after, like, three to four. Okay. You know, and I came to this country in 1984, so I was going, like, pretty much, like, I was jumping already. I was, I, I, it's like I was a gypsy already at a young mm-hmm. age, you know, traveling. And my life has been from one place to another, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I still, today, I live in a certain place, but it's not my place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like things I've gotten so, you know, so oh, backwards, you know. It's like they're supposed to get better, but in a way it's like, yeah, we have laws, we have this, but mentalities, you know. Mm-hmm. Have not changed, and I go back to most of forty five. He hasn't made it easier for us. Oh yeah, you know he's in. He's made all these um, bigots and all these um, 
the racism is out there. It's like really, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, and I myself, it's like you hear it, it's like you kind of, kind of get accustomed for it. Mm. And it's terrible. I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right. Wait a minute. You know, you kind of have to stop yourself. I had to kind of stop myself. Like, oh my God, we get out of here. Mm. Shouldn't be listening to this. So, do you know what prompted a lot of the moving and having to jump around? Just, just uh, uh, together with, you know, coming to this country, that's part of the moving. Mm-hmm. Moving in mentally, physically, and physic- um, spiritually. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, first of all, it's the moving around, trying to get situated in this country. Yeah. Trying to get citizenship, trying to get, you know, established with um, school, you know, going to work, this and that and the third, and then... And the actual transition, you know what I mean? Yeah. The actual transition. So, you know, the the hormone therapy as far as the physical appearance, you know, the cosmetic point of view, you know, mm-hmm. the rhinoplasty, breast implantation, butt implants, silicone, mm-hmm. all that, which later on, of course, led to complications nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just had some silicone removed. And it's like, if I would have known that years ago, but, you know, society puts us on a, like, you have to fit a certain mold Mm -hmm. or else you're not accepted by cisgender world. You know, a woman has curves. A woman has this. A woman has that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? And then it's, it's a lot of stress. Yeah, definitely. Get rid of my voice. Yeah. Times. It drains a person. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't know that, you know, what we go through. Says people, yet they have problems, but they're not as bad as us. Mm-hmm. And you, what I mean us is trans and people of POC and, you know, queer people, you know, gender nonconforming, you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't understand that concept. There's only, there's a binary for them, for all they know. Mm-hmm. Either male or female. There's no... You know, queer or gender nonconforming, or if you want to feel like putting them on men's clothes or women's clothes a certain day, you know, for each each sex, whatever, you know, it's just everything's so you know systematic. Yeah, everything's it's like divide and conquer. It's like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like it's all a part of you know the oppression. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So many things, you know what I mean, <laughs> with this capitalism right now. It's just disgusting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a rat race here in New York, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like getting here was like, oh, my, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. It's like, everybody's, talk about push comes to shove, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the process for you and the experience of moving from Colombia through Mexico into the United States? Can you talk us through that a bit? Well, like I said, I mean... I was very young, mm-hmm. so it already inflicted fear in my life and my heart. You know what I mean? Having to like duck down. You know, migration, migration. Mm-hmm. You know, you have those, you still have those whispers in the back of your head. Immigration, migration. Mm-hmm. Duck down, duck down. Mm-hmm. They would go around with that flashlight, like a like a beacon of light going around in a negative way, though. Yeah. Like that, trying to capture you. Yeah. And you just have to like throw yourself down in the floor, and it's like mm-hmm. you praying and everything you have and sweat coming down your your 
your you know your 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 forehead yeah and it's like that fear you know that fear that it's disgusting that feeling that gut feeling that mm-hmm. you're scared because your hands in on them on the system you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying to make it here for a better life for freedom for you know for um more entitlement you know what i mean so, how old were you when you actually <clears throat> arrived in the U.S.? Five. Five? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, how much jumping around did you do before you got to New York? Well, like I said, I it was through um, the whole, you know, the whole um, Central America, all the mm-hmm. countries, you know, Mexico, Matamoros, mm-hmm. Rio Grande, you pass that, go to Texas. And then I don't even remember the rest. Like, I just remember we were, happened to be in New York, in Queens. Oh, wow. Big Latino neighborhood over there, you know, still is. Mm-hmm. And then we just moved to, we lived there for a couple of years when Queens was real, like, nitty and gritty. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, it's still a little, but it wasn't as bad as before, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With the drugs and the, you know, I remember the house got robbed and everything. We weren't oh, like... Wow. It was a scary feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember the Mets were the World Series at that time. <laughs> Doll Strawberry, 1985. I remember everybody seeing, walking them on Roosevelt Avenue with the Mets shirts. Mm-hmm. I had flashbacks, see? <laughs> wow. New York. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Then from there, I remember just living there and going to the corner store, getting a pack of Cheetos, <laughs> you know? Little stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, hearing the train loud and that seven train. The lifeline of Queens. Yeah. And later on, we just, you know, we ended up moving to Jersey, to West New York, to town, and started going to school there, you know, and that's, you know, it started pretty much. You know, going to school, it was like, you know, I always liked to dance. I remember I used, my, my, you know, the kindergarten teacher, she was like, I used to grab her and start dancing and very flamboyant, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> she was, you know, at that time, she was like, you have a lot of rhythm, little boy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, rhythm's in my blood, you know. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember I repeated, I repeated. I repeated like two times, mm-hmm. you know. I had a lot of com- you know, complications in school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was a good student, you know, until like I started really maturing, and then you know puberty kicked in, and then that's when you really wake up and be like, you know, your hormones and everything. You know, your you start waking up like. I thought I was just a feminine gay boy. Mm-hmm. I still remember looking at my father's underwears. Like, you know, the cartridge that bring the man uh, modeling those underwears. I found that extremely attractive. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Why do I like this so much? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is bad. Because mm-hmm. your witness was, you know, it was a sin. You yeah. know, you can. So I remember I would look at that with lust. At mm-hmm. five years old, I was like mm-hmm. six years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was looking at that and I felt so guilty inside. Because mm-hmm. my family was shaming me so much. You know, going on. To witness, it was like, man should not sleep with man, women should not, yada, yada, yada. So it was like, 
Yeah, that's like a little Jewish yada yada yada. <laughs> you know, it's just you live in the city, you you you, you know kind of observe it all. Yeah, the culture is that was a little Jewish shit, but yeah, and then you know throughout, like I said, I started waking up, like really waking up my, with my sexuality at like when I got to seventh, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do all the decorations for school. I was super talented kid, not to like to be, you know, gas myself. <laughs> but I was going to Alvin Ailey school. I was the only kid oh. in the school getting, um, going to Alvin Ailey. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I was getting a a bus would pick me up, and I was going there because they saw the potential in me. Hmm. But I didn't have no support from my parents. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. I could have became. I only dance now because I freelance and I do what I can. Because when it's in your system, you're talented no matter what. It's like a painter. When you're born with it, mm-hmm. you know you got it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's it's in it's in your genes. You know what I mean. You just yeah. don't. Oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do. That. It's in my genes. So it's like. At that time, that's how I started. Like you know, doing my art. That's how I express myself. Mm-hmm. I'll do decorations, decorate the gym for a spring dance. And it was like, you know, I was, I was always that kid. I was, you know, always thought outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, always. Costumes, I was always designing my costumes for Halloween. I was always winning. Mm-hmm. I remember the last year, oh, that was high school. Mm-hmm. That was high school. Can we go to high school now? Yeah. Uh, if you want, we can go back and forth. Yeah, high school. I remember, you know, September, um, element, freshman year, you know, it was like, it was scary, you know what I mean? It's like, you start waking up, he's like, okay, you kind of have to, like, hide myself by femininity. So I would, like, dress myself up with baggy clothes. You know, back in the 90s, that was the the urban look, you know, guys would dress up in these big jean jean jacket and jean, jean um, overalls, like MC Hammer look, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that was the way I would, I would cover myself and try to, like, man up. Like, cause you know what I mean? You were like bullied and ostracized mm-hmm. a lot. It was like ridiculous. So you had to like camouflage your femininity. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, okay. And then I remember, just, you know, just things like that, you know, joining every club, the modern club and this and that and third. And it's just, you know, bullied, bullied. It was disgusting. It's like, I remember I could count my friends with my fingers, mm-hmm. you know, I had two Two guy friends that were like supportive, that were very judgmental. They had a girlfriend. Like, uh, I would date girls when I was younger because, you know, I didn't mostly, even though I'm bisexual, you know, I don't have, I don't, you know, I don't really, I think I'm queer today, you know, I'm trans, queer, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't really like, you know, if I like somebody, I like somebody because it's, you know, as you get older and stuff, it's like, what makes you happy? You know what I mean? You have to look at your sanity and what makes you happy. That plays a big role. Yeah. So, as you know, high school went on, and it's very uncomfortable going to gym class, having to wear those jeans with the things, and they make you, like, lift weights. <laughs> you know, it was so uncomfortable. I did not want to do that. Yeah. I wanted to preserve my slim body, you know what I mean? Because that was my only femininity. You know, I took off my clothes, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I put my penis between my legs, and I would see, like... Wow, all I need is my breast and my, you know, my hips. Mm. I was already, you know, feminine, soft skin, you know what I mean? And as, you know, as years went on in high school, as I started going down to the city and going to the village, you know, 
I remember my counselor told me one time, because I want to go to the village parade back mm-hmm. when I was 14, 15. Your, your school counselor? Yeah. <laughs> she happened to be lesbian later on. Oh. I didn't know at that time. You know, we didn't, I didn't know about, you know. Yeah. It's so funny. It's, I jump a lot because there's so many thoughts that come to head. Yeah, totally fine. Um, going to high school. Yeah, I remember. I was, um, I would tell my, con- I think I told my teacher. Yeah. It's like, everybody's like, oh, what are you doing for Halloween? I'm going to the Halloween parade in the village. <laughs> They're like, ooh. <laughs> that was like, ooh, you know, that's really like, ooh, yeah. you know, 14, 15 year old at that time going to the village for the Halloween parade. Mm-hmm. Halloween parade was known like the Soroma, Soroma Coroma at that time. You know, mm-hmm. it was like very out there. You know, it was famous for being, you know artsy and all queer people and it was a celebration yeah. you know and it was all at once and you can get away with stuff because it was halloween yeah and halloween was when you would dress up as you whatever you want and you let's be judgment you know people less judge you because it's halloween so it's an exception that day mm-hmm. so that was like an escape you know halloween was an escape mm-hmm. started dressing up little by little and i would go to halloween i remember i made a mask an art class and that mask had like all the colors and it was like the LGBTQ flag and I didn't even know about the LGBTQ <laughs> flag at that time. Mm. But yet I I had it a rainbow and my mask like mm. with feathers coming out. Mm. It was so simple but yet so like you know my teacher would be like wow you know what I mean it was just keep it but I added feathers I did all these extra stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like always thinking outside the box. I remember wearing that and I would dance to like a, I had a, like a white suit on. I wore that and I put my mask on and I went with the Samba school in, in the city. At that time it was, um, still is um, Manhattan Samba, hmm. which is like, they pretty much raised me up. They're like, they're the ones I used to run to. Hmm. They used to have gigs at SOBs. And it's not um, Son of a Bitches. It's Sounds of Brazil <laughs> okay. on Varican Houston. Oh, okay. oh, that was like my escape right there. Hmm. On 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 Saturday nights, they had like a whole venue. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a whole bunch of Brazilian artists. And they were the last ones to play at 2 o'clock. Hmm. I remember I would be outside and I was underage. Hmm. They took me under their wing. And I would go in there, just get a drum and go in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't show your face. Just bring the drum in <laughs> like you're one of the drummers. Mm. And that was my, my, I remember those, those were my happy days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Outside my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going out and just dancing the night. Mm. Sweating. I remember sweating. I used to dance so much. He put me on stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, as a dancer. I was, a, I always been a dancer, you know. Yeah. And going on stage and just, you know, it was a regular there. Mm-hmm. And till today, we're family. That's like mm-hmm. my chosen, one of my chosen families. And everybody there was like literally an outcast. Mm-hmm. We all were there for some reason. We were like, mm-hmm. we used to go there and we just like dance. And everybody was like, hey, friendly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a family. It still are. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my things that I remember being young. One of my escapes besides clubbing. I was a club kid, you know. Mm-hmm. I toned down, but you know what I mean? That was my thing. I would club Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that was one. I remember the line light back in... The 90s, the limelights, which is now uh, like a spa. It yeah. was a church, yeah, they converted. 
Then, you know, the tunnel right there, you know, it was an old warehouse. Everything by the white side highway. Mm-hmm. I remember, too, across the street was Twilo. Twilo was a big, like, a big gay club. And I remember going there and be like, so many men, so little time. How can <laughs> I choose? Mm-hmm. You know, it was just all these hot men without a shirt. Mm. I was in Lorana. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so awesome. Like, I never got into the heavy drugs, though. Like, no, mm. everybody was taking e-pills at that time. Okay. It was a big thing. Even um, Junior Vasquez mm-hmm. and all those DJs and, oh, so many clubs. You know, the limelight, the Cafe Con Leche. Mm. Mm-hmm. You grew up in the city? No. Yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. A little bit. Okay. Before studio, my time, but... Not Studio yeah. 45, but like, you know, Cheetah Lounge, mm. um, Vinyls. Mm. That was like a, a real big place for POC, people mm. of POC. It was like, just bring, you know, your your sweats and your t-shirt and they would put powder in the floor and everybody would just, you know, dance to um, Gospel House. Mm-hmm. It was it was amazing. I used to go there with my best friend, Kenya. Mm-hmm. She was an Afro-Cuban girl, and I loved it because it's like we knew each other. We got each other's aura. We like we were best friends. You know, mm-hmm. we we danced, we lived, and we loved life at that time. That was our escape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? From school, from everything, and we go to school Monday morning. I didn't even sleep. <laughs> Just go home, take a shower, pick up my green book bag. At least I love green, mm-hmm. and just go to school. You know, and green yeah for Green Day. That was my best pen. Um, so when did you start going out to clubs? Do you remember your first night kind of discovering the clubs and who brought you? Who brought me? It was like, just follow the crowd. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like when I first, right before I think, well, yeah, this is how I started. I started, I went to that village parade. Mm. Then after that, that was, of course, October. By the time the summer came, then I was like, okay, let me go to the village in the daytime. Mm. And I used to go to the, I used to wake up, I remember. I had some money saved for my little allowance, whatever I had. And I remember it was like, follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. I was going... Get off at 42nd Street at that time, you know, at the dollar buses, the jitney buses were like 125 and then it's expensive as now. Mm-hmm. When Times Square was Times Square, I, saw, I got to see the last of Times Square. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nitty and gritty and exciting and everything of the above. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right before Giuliani kicked in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember getting off that thing and then literally walking down from 42nd Street down to 7th Avenue, getting down to Christopher. Oh, wow. Oh, it was like looking around the sights, the seas, the stores. It was full of hippies and POC and the, and the, the punks, mm. the punk music. That was a big team, punk mm-hmm. back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. St. Mark's Place and all that. Oh, it was so dirty and nasty and gritty and... It was New York. It was raw and there, and it was just exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a laugh because it was so much fun. Yeah. You know, like I missed New York. I missed those days. Mm. It was so edgy. It was so fun, you know? Yeah. Oh. And, yeah, I remember. And then, you know, I would go there in the daytime, and then I would leave by the time it was 8 or 7. 
Because okay. I have to go home, you know, for my mother wouldn't say anything. Like, she, you know, for all she, for all she knew, I was around the neighborhood somewhere. Oh, in Jersey? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then as I got, you know, and then I remember I started going at night. And the first time I went at night was like, oh, my God, this is a whole different story <laughs> at night. Yeah. I remember right before crossing the piers, right where there was that bookstore, you know, the porno store and all those, and it was full of them. Mm-hmm. Right before crossing the street, I was looking over and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> my God, what is this? My heart was pounding as a little kid as I looked upon the, the, the queer people, you know, queer LGBTQ people. It was the peer. It was mm-hmm. peer. You know yeah. what I mean? It was that Marsha P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. It was that um, Silver Rivera peer that, that they, they used to live in. Yeah. It was dirty and nasty and everybody was out there hanging out. Mm-hmm. People were voguing, you know. It was so expression. And I was like, it was dangerous, but it was a safe space at the same time. Yeah. Once you crossed that street, it was like, you know, that was like West Side Highway was like yeah. known as like the death road here. Yeah. Crossing that and getting there it was like, I remember sitting there. I was so nervous. I was a nervous wreck sitting there and just, I was overwhelmed, happy, nervous, everything at the same time, like a virgin. Looking around, I remember this older guy approached me. This older guy approached me. It was a gay guy, older guy, and he was like, "Hi, how are you?" Actually, no. Actually, he made believe he was. Um, I forgot what do you say. People that can speak, they're, they do the sign language. Oh, deaf. Yes, he huh. made believe he was deaf to approach me. Uh huh. And I had sympathy, you know, I was like, I always had a good heart. So I was like, yeah. oh, you know, he was showing me this flyer. Do you like this? A guy without a shirt. Do you like that? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, and then, you know, it was weird because it took a while. And then I remember he invited me to eat pizza. And then in one of those things, he spoke out. I'm like, oh my God, you do speak. <laughs> It's it like a fairy tale. It's like, yeah. my God, you do speak. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do speak. I'm sorry. I just wanted, I didn't know how to talk to you. <laughs> at, that t- at that time, you know, they, they had what was called a chicken hawk. Hmm. Not chicken hawk. Something like that. Older men that would love young boys. Uh, okay. Chicken hawk. Mm-hmm. Like those men that would cruise the bathroom at Port Authority. Yeah, yeah. And he was one of those. Like, he loved young Boys, like, I was a brown boy, you know, mm-hmm. a young brown boy. And after that, you know, we became good friends. You know, he took me to his house. You know, we experimented. I never had gotten, you know, effed up my ass before, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like he put his finger up, but oh, I can't take it, take it out. <laughs> <laughs> Little yeah. things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just became like, you better take care of yourself out there, you know. He became kind of a father figure later on. Oh, wow. Until, like... You know, I just, I was feminine as a boy. And it's, it's so many things I keep jumping back and forth because, yeah, I was like, and then I started working as a street street worker in back of Christopher Street, which was Washington Street. Mm-hmm. You know that street called Washington Street in back yeah. of Christopher? Yeah. That's where I started. I started getting my little money there, my coins. Hmm. And I remember I had these Jewish men pick me up and all these guys. And that's how I got my first sugar daddy. Hmm. It was a Jewish guy. He was so nice. Gobel. 
So Tim, he's so Jewish, right? <laughs> Go bomb. Yeah. And he would have a catering service. So I, I remember that I was treated to good food. That's how I, I started with my good taste. Mm. Takes me to every like good arts, like real good restaurant. They only who knew because <laughs> of its Zachary ratings at that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember going and Pellegrino and having my first Cosmopolitan at my birthday. Mm. I wasn't dressing up at that time. Later on, I started dressing up, though. Mm-hmm. I still, like, I started feeling uncomfortable in men's clothing. It's like, even though I was, I was, I would still wear, like, little shorts and little, like, flip-flops and always showing skin. I felt comfortable always showing skin. I always love my skin. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I love the sun. I always go, love getting my tans and just, you know, just liberal. You know what I mean? And yeah. wearing a ton of gel in my hair. Mm-hmm. At that time, remember? Mm-hmm. The gel was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> tons of gel. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why my hair is weakening. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember. It started off like that. I started dressing up. I remember I started off with a scarf. I said, you know what? Since I'm a person of... I knew I was a, I knew I was a, a golden child. I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, knew I was a brown boy. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear what... A brown person wears a scarf on my head. Like the black girls would go to the, you know, get their nails fixed. Or mm. when, you know, it's a down day. So I wear yeah. my scarf. I started asking my little sister for her clothes. Mm. You know, she was slim like me, petite. Mm. She started yelling me her clothes. So I wear her tight jeans. I wear a tight, you know, um, like a crop shirt. Yeah. You know, like those cut cut shirts here. Mm-hmm. I was big back in the day. <laughs> And I would wear like you know little tight clothing and go with my scarf and and it's amazing because people picked up on it. Some guys did pick up on it on the on my feminine soul. Mm-hmm. And I used to come to the city like that, and you know I used to do that. And then I met this lady later on. Who she was from the neighborhood. She was a sex worker. She used to work at the um train tracks in Jersey over there by Route 1 and 9 by Tullany Avenue Tullany Avenue by the the motels that was a big scene back in the day and she kind of like took me you're a pretty boy and pretty boys wear makeup she grabbed me she was a skin kind of same skin tone. She had like that olive tan complexion. Mm-hmm. She grabbed that olive lay makeup. I never forgot with that sponge. Mm-hmm. She slapped it onto my face. She's like Come over here. Slapping you on some. She's like, see, you're beautiful, little boy. <laughs> and I looked at myself in the mirror with mm-hmm. that makeup. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Or some I had makeup on my face. Oh, my God. You know, that feeling is oh, so, yeah. it's like, she, it's like I had so many mothers and fathers growing up, people mm-hmm. that saw that. And she took me down and she sat me down when she was working. When later on, when we get some money, we'll go out and have some breakfast later on. Hmm. I remember we had, um, we had meat. What is that? Anyways, <laughs> we go to the Cuban restaurant and have breakfast. Oh, it was so good. All <laughs> night for that breakfast. Mm-hmm. It was just little things like that. And then, and then I started just like waking up and, you know, putting on eyeliner and this and that and letting my hair grow. I remember sitting down and my sister's bureau, mm-hmm. you know, bureau, like, um, 
Like make you know, we um sit down had to put my makeup on. Oh, 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 yeah, like vanity. Yeah, vanity yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That was a big you know mm-hmm. the vanity mm-hmm. case, yeah. I was staying there and just like look at myself in the mirror and brush my hair like Oshum, the goddess of love. <laughs> like, you know, I just just look into the mirror and be like, Hmm, I don't know what this is but I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, letting my hair grow. It felt I don't know what it was, it felt comfortable. Yeah. It felt yeah. so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I started like that little by little get my little clothes with the money that you know I would make mm-hmm. as a feminine boy then I, that was the money I would use to like do my little cross dressing at that time mm-hmm. type deal you know my my escape and you know I remember yeah people like especially you know you like the the attention mm-hmm. you know you got negative attention but then it was so overwhelming when you found somebody that liked you that liked what they seen it was like See, you accept me for who I am, and you like me for who I am, and we could go to dinner. We can fool around, have fun, mm-hmm. and this is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was a happy, a happy camper. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like, oh my god, I'm so happy. Like, <laughs> you know, those it's the, those feelings are like irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Since people don't know what that is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because it's born out of like necessity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and everything from, you know, growing up, playing with Barbies and making, designing the Barbie clothes for my friends. And I remember that my friend, my mother's friend always trying to get me out of the room with, like, little did she know I wasn't going to do anything to her daughter. I was just there, like, girl talk. Mm-hmm. You know, since people, they see a, a trans person, then they don't, un- they, you know, they don't understand that. Yeah. They don't understand that. They thought you were just a freak mm-hmm. or a person that was going to go in there. Or for some reason, get their daughter pregnant or something. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my intentions at all. Yeah, I wanted to be there just like the other girls, mm-hmm. hanging out, gossiping, hissing, listening to Method Man, and and you know what I mean. The re- big hot hip ah hip hop was a big thing back in the nineties, and the house music. We're oh, just yeah. in there listening to music, M A T H O D man. You know, as people P O C. You know what I mean? Yeah, all that stuff. I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just, and you know, and then as I started dressing up, started hitting up the streets, the clubs. Remember at first time going to Elderwise, when Elderwise was on like 45th and like 11th Avenue, 12th Avenue, right up front, across the street from the UPS factory, you know, you know that place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like the, the Elderwise when I got to see it because Elderwise had many locations. Yeah. Like 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 a Sally's Hideaway, which was a big um trans um POC, POC place, you know that's where the girls would go. Mm. I didn't get to see that because I'm not that old. I'm thirty seven, but <laughs> elderwise, yeah, I remember that's why we still, you know, I remember going there for the first time too. Mm. My first wig and dressing feminine, it was like, wow, all these men are here for trans women, mm. you know? Yeah, it was like a carnival. It's like. But then it's like, you know, as I started getting older, it's like, I went through a lot, you know, a lot of transitions. It was like, my family, you know, moving away to North Carolina, mm-hmm. trying to change my ways, trying to change my ways. You know, they got to move my sister, my little sister, but they didn't get to change me because mm-hmm. I made the decision right there to leave. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I was, 
I was like, it's now or never. They really trying to take me down. They started packing. I remember that day when they were supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. I like said I was going to the corner store or something. I didn't even know. I just ran out the house mm-hmm. with a book bag and like a box. And I left with what I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I left with boxer shorts, flip flops, and a tank top like I usually would wear. Just simple. Yeah. And I went into a married couple's house. They were like swingers at that time. Hmm. I noticed. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. They took me in. They took me in. They were very nice to me. The my the guy would make um girls women's clothing for me, hmm. make skirts. He would sew. Mm-hmm. So you know I, I would just cooperate with some chores around the house, make dinner, make sure I would I had a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. They didn't charge me or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. That was in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Oh wow. How did you find them? I knew them through the club scene. Okay. okay. Through SOBs. They were, they're like regulars, too. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, how old were you when you ran away? I was like 17, going on 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. So many things. It's like I like, got lightheaded just thinking about all that. Yeah, yeah. It was like a trip, a 380 in oh, a couple of minutes. <laughs> Do you need a second? Or? Yeah, I'm okay. I just okay. drink my water. Okay. See, it's, it's it's just oh so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's like all super interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. The, the lifestyle. It's like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. New York. <laughs> yeah, I say that with a New York accent. Yeah, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, they took me in, and then from there I just pretty much started my train, started everything. Mm-hmm. I remember singing the yellow primitive pill. Mm-hmm. And then in one of those, I went to Stonewall, the historic Stonewall. Mm-hmm. And I saw somebody giving out flyers. Saw somebody giving out flyers for the trans club. I was there dressed up, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. I was going in there dressed up, and it's like, that way I reached out to me, gave me a flyer, a trans club on 14th Street. And um, by 3rd Avenue, 2nd Avenue, um... Sandy Michelle was the owner of that trans club. She still has trans clubs around the city mm-hmm. and in Cali. Mm-hmm. And I remember I started going there and I started doing gigs. I started doing my, you know, female impersonator mm-hmm. shows. And I would get $20 at that time. Wow. For those tips. Mm-hmm. That's how I started off, you know. And, then, you know, you start doing shows. And then, you know... Started, you know, sex work in there, you know, getting money. And and then later on, it's just, my life just, you know, I ended up meeting, which became my trans mother, Michelle de Brazil. Hmm. She's still alive today. She's an original from Sally's days, from 14th Street back in the days. The, meat, the real meat packing district where the girls used to work. Hmm. What I mean by the girls is, PLC, transgender, non-conforming, all that. It was a big scene for that where a lot of um, 
Black people go there and meet trans people. You know what I mean? Pick them up. Yeah. A lot of celebrities went through there and picked mm-hmm. up the girls. And that's how it started. I met her. She took me under her wing. I remember. That's the first time I got to see the in-call scene. I remember she took me to her house that night. I stepped over. I remember that night. The next day, I woke up. I peeked through the red curtain that she had dividing the room that I was in. Looking through, you know, the peep, you know, the divisive curtain. And I was just looking. And then I see her doing a John, which I mean, a Klein at the time. I was like, I was like, wow. Incall. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, see, I just made my money. And, you know, I said, listen, see, I could call you in for a couple of dates if you like. Mm-hmm. And it started off like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So she kind of gave me my first hormone shot. Because mm. everything back in the day, we didn't have... We didn't have Colin Lord. We didn't have Apicha. We didn't have all these, you know... Um, you know... Facilities, you know, um, giving trans um, health care. Yeah. Support. We had the center. I remember I used to go to the center before all that. I forgot the center. I forgot. The... the they had that group, the you know, the youth group at that time. I used to go to it. And that's where you meet a lot of people and go to clubbing. Okay. We all meet up there and, you know, oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And then, you know, that's how it started. She gave me her first hormone shot. And I would live with her and, you know, you know, she would teach me how to put makeup on, do this, do that. This is how you do um, cover your body when you go outside. Let's not be so explicit, you know, in front of our, you know, till you get to the block, then you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you started doing sex work as like a feminine boy. Yeah. Near Christopher Street. And then once you started kind of like dressing up, you were doing in calls. Well, later on. Later it, on. it was in the street at first. Okay. Because so I worked, oof, I worked in Queens and mm-hmm. the... Jackson Heights. Okay. It's pretty decent money back then, yeah. Where in Jackson Heights? All through um, for um Roosevelt Avenue and then the oh, back streets. I see. It's still it's still going on, but mm-hmm. it's just you know what I mean. It's a lot of, you know. <laughs> it's got to be clear for out there. It's not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. Not that it was ever easy, but you know it's like you have more guts. As you get older, it's like you don't want to take those risks. You don't need to because now you got your own apartment. Mm-hmm. You run things on your own schedule. Yeah. You know, I've done works. And then, you know, it's just started working for the LGBTQ Center later on. Doing the, you know, the dropping groups, support groups. So all these things come to work later on. From the, Let's like, you know, a lot of people go to college and you can't learn these things. These are things you learn throughout the year. You acquire life skills, the hard, school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. That's what I went to. Mm-hmm. You know, my generation was the last one to, to, you know, to play outside, to do a lot of things. You know, a lot of things that these millennials take for granted. They have so much technology. Everything's an app. Everything's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything was word of mouth. The girls were like, everything was a black market. You know, we used to go out, get our hormones from the corner lady. Hmm. You know, that's how we would buy our hormones. I remember seeing the hormone for the first time, like a girl that I would hang out with. 
you know, like we were, I would hang out with a little clique in the pier later on, you know, mm-hmm. and I never noticed why I hanged out with them. Like, why do I gravitate to this little clique? Mm-hmm. And we all turned out to be trans women later on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's what we had in common, <laughs> but we didn't know. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing the first girl taking her home and she already had like curves and everything and boots. And I'm like, how did she do that? Mm-hmm. How did she do that? Mm. Oh my god! And then we see a trans person in the in the in the village walking down. I'm like, my god! What kind of water is she drinking? Mm. That kind of guy, too, you know. And then she's like, oh, take this blue pill, just testosterone block at that time, yeah. and this is how you become. And I was kind of scared. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's safe for me. Mm. And that's how it started. Little things like that, you know. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> so. Can you tell me a bit more about the clique that you were in? Like, what kind of girls were there? How did you well, meet them? How did I meet them? Just from being in there, out there in the pier. Mm-hmm. It's like you just gravitated to this clique. Mm-hmm. It's like you had, you know, on one side, the Butch Queens. You know, I know you're not supposed to. But yeah. that's how back in the day we knew each other. You know, yeah. the, the, the lesbians, the dykes on one side, mm-hmm. the... You know, and the like people like me, feminine boys, and then you had like everybody else kicking and carrying on, and yeah, these people were like we were friends, and we would go to each other's houses. I would go to their house, and a lot of them, you know, they're still around. A lot of them became like porno stars, or they're activists now and they, you know, they involved with activism. Some of them are still, I still see them on the ads mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was. Latin, black, and white. We were all mixed up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And anybody that came in their clique, we would walk around and go to have pizza together. And mm-hmm. it was so happy. Little things like that, you know? Yeah. 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 Huh. I'm, like, really interested in how you, like, talk about the, like, map of the peers. Like, who was where, right? Yeah. And so, like, how did that change for you going from, like, a, like a feminine boy to becoming like a trans woman did you like was there a different yeah space in the peers you had to go to it, it was kind of like different guys started checking you out as soon as mm-hmm. be- you became like you were feminine but you know there's a diff- difference between like when you're a feminine boy and when you start like presenting your woman's clothing yeah it's like i remember like that's where I got my first boyfriend. I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. That was another happy chapter. Yeah. It was like holding his hand, mm-hmm. kissing in the pier. He would take me to a quiet spot. Mm-hmm. He had a bike. His name was Camille James. I tried to look him up on Facebook. I don't can't find him. <laughs> I remember he used to live in the Lower East Side. But mm-hmm. yeah, I remember like, but when I met him, I was like, in between already I started really like feminine letting my hair loose Mm. and yeah that was my first boyfriend I met him there I remember him looking at me and I was intimidated I'm like this tall black man he's so handsome (laughs) (laughs) it's like a basketball player it's just like you know very handsome everybody would like everybody would would envy me for for like dating him Mm. like the black girls were like why can't you date a black girl why are you dating her Hmm. You know, like a, a Latina, you know, because yeah. they wanted somebody like really black, like black, hmm. like them, like yeah. to date, like African-American. And I was an African-American. I was 
black, but not like Latin black. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I remember I was holding his hand. He, we met there, yeah, and we would walk. He, he had a bike, and that was our transportation mode. <laughs> he would ride me from Christopher Street all the way to, all the way to, ah, Central Park. Wow. We'd go to Central wow. Park in the bike. Remember, Central Park was a big cruising area. Mm-hmm. So it was like, we just go there in the middle of nowhere and just hang out. Sorry, I think. Sorry, we were interrupted for a second. So you were talking about your boyfriend and Central Park and how it was super cruisy. Yeah. It was so romantic. <laughs> Central Park, yeah. When my boyfriend came in, James. <laughs> and, yeah, I remember with him, it was, like, amazing. You know, which that was my first love as a, as, as a queer person, as a person that identifying, you know, it was, like, it was my crush. And I noticed later on he had broke up with me. And I was crying. I was crying. I didn't know why he broke up with me. And then I see him later on with a trans person. Mm. And then it was like a negative turn into a positive because that was before I was um, dressing up. Okay, okay. See, I jump a lot. That's fine. That was before me. Um, so just maybe to earmark it, what age were you when that happened? Ooh. <laughs> My God, I was underage. Okay, okay. <laughs> Is that illegal? <laughs> I don't know. Age you know, age. back in the day, yeah. older men used to go out with younger girls. Oh, yeah, it still happens today. <laughs> really? Okay. Because yeah. now there's all this consensual, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you'll be in trouble. But like, yeah, that's what used to happen. You know, it was love. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... um. Yeah, so um, later on, I found out he broke... When he broke up with me, I saw him with a trans person. What what, what was, you know, a trans person at that time. I was like... That gave me, like, the black bulb. Like, that that gave me the smack in the face. Mm-hmm. It was a hard reality. But it was, it was like... It woke me up because it's like, wait a minute. That's what he saw in me. That's who I am. I'm a trans person, but I don't know how to... How to express myself. Mm. I thought a feminine boy, that was it. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, there's more to this. So I started, um, that's when I really, like, started, like, hardcore, like, dressing up. Like, yeah. you know, mm. like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own my sexuality. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's when I really started getting that, that inner fire. Mm. Remember jumping the gate in my mother's house. Hmm. Jumping the gate. Because I didn't have keys. Hmm. Jumping the gate with my heels. <laughs> you know that thing when you hear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah jumping the gate. I was always been a, like a spider girl. <laughs> <laughs> jumping the gate and going home at 5, 4 in the morning before they woke up. Hmm. With my makeup on. Rush downstairs because I had my room downstairs. Mm-hmm. Wash my face. Take my clothes off. Nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. So next day, (laughs) yeah, Hmm. that's how I started out. Okay. Okay. So this was 
before you had run away from home and your family yeah. moved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so at what point were you in kind of like clubbing and like what clubs were you going to? Oh, that's that's later on. Like later I said, on. later on. Yeah, it's 17. Well, I was off and on. No, actually, ugh, it's a mix. I was clubbing when I was 15 already. Mm-hmm. Remember SOBs and all that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to that. I was doing that already. I was doing that already. So that was my escape. But then that, I was, um, you know, dressed presenting as boy. Mm-hmm. And later on, I, then I started presenting to them as feminine. Mm-hmm. Like for carnival time, I used to wear my, you know, my G-string, my bra top, and my Heather Pedfest piece. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brazilian, you know, samba dancer, girl. Yeah. Mulata. At that time, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how I, you know, and then when they saw me, it was like, <laughs> it was the happy feeling again. They're recepting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, literally from day, I was like that type of child. You wouldn't see me, and they would suddenly, you see me in all my room, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember I had a client one time. He would live um, right in back of Lincoln Center. Mm. I was dressing up, and I would always go see him as a feminine boy because he met me on Christopher as a feminine boy. Then one day I said, you know what? Let me go as a girl. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Maybe he like, might like me more. <laughs> I dressed up. He's like, Oh, this is not what I like in you. Huh. I felt so bad, and I left yeah. his house. He's like, next time you come, you come here in man's clothing. Because <laughs> he liked feminine boys. He yeah, didn't like yeah. a trans girl or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Huh. So it sounds like you kind of had to, like, re resituate yourself. For, for people's likes. Yeah, yeah. All my life, it's been like that. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Yeah. All my life it's been like that. Mm-hmm. Trying to please others. But now that time has... That time has ended long time ago. Mm. Me, myself, and I, honey. If you can't accept <laughs> me for who I am, then there's the door. Yeah, yeah. Enough. Enough. Caution to the wing. Yeah. And I walk and proud and when I walk these streets in New York. Mm-hmm. When people look at me, I look at them right back. Yeah. I am not afraid anymore. <laughs> I'm like this... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like, because, you know, cisgender people, people are so like, you know what I mean? Everyone else could have their dress, they could have their shapes, they could have their curves, they could have their titties out. As soon as it comes to a trans, a person of color, mm-hmm. it's like you're walking by, like a walking, uh, like you got a, a sign in your face. Yeah. Bully me, bully me. Mm-hmm. Fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Let live and let live and let live. What's going on with you guys? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like that. Just, that's why I'm not bothered. Put on your glasses. Grab your bag. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Very that attitude. Yeah. You know, you have to own this in this city. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's people that would support you in this city. Mm. We're very progressive here. I love this here. I love New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I loved New York, New York for what it was. You know what I mean? Now we have all these foreigners coming in and all these people that are not native. I'm not a native New Yorker, but I consider myself a New Yorker. Yeah. I grew up in these streets. Yeah. I hustled. I've been through so much. I've been incarcerated. Rikers. I've been through all this here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Been through the system. Been dogged. Been have happy days going down Fifth Avenue with my heels dancing samba. You know what I mean? In the revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of attitude. Mm. 
so maybe then you're <clears throat> so you start dressing up more as like a trans woman right and what are you doing to like like where are you living are you still living in bushwick with no family? i live in queenstown okay i i mean at the time when you started um transition yeah yeah I lived with my parents at the beginning. Okay. But when I really started presenting 24-7 yeah. was in Bushwick, Brooklyn, yeah. And okay. that was tough for me, too. Yeah. It was a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Very oppressive, you know. It was a West Indian neighborhood. Like, you know, it was it was mixed. And I remember the people used to throw bottles at me oh, wow. from across the street. Mm-hmm. It was like a ping pong game. Mm-hmm. See if they could miss. Hmm. Luckily, they always missed. Yeah. Because I was jumping like... Like a frog from those bottles. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Wow. I would just look out the window, but like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what happens once you start, like, really physically transitioning? You mentioned, like, actually getting hormones. Like, what was that process? Like, how did you get access to that? And, like, well, like I said, my trans mother. Okay, yeah. She had a bottle in her house, you know. Mm-hmm. I went through the black market. Mm-hmm. She had Medicare, though. She always had Medicare at that time. So, you know, she had, a, you know, she was well-established. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, of course, she was, she grew up first in me. She was, you know, she became first in me. She was out there, you know. Yeah. You know, the older girls would always take the young girls in. Yeah. Some of them would dog them. I was dogged a bit. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot. You know, you learn a lot. She was rough on me, but it turned out to be that all that roughness, all that, you know, it served as a college for me. You know what I mean? Now it's like there's not a situation I can not, you know, handle. Yeah. I go out with my head up high. Yes, and I have acquired anxiety and the and, and, and I still deal with depression, but it's full part of the game kind of, you know, but it's always that's why you have to stay full, you know, with community. Yeah, I stay, I always come to the city for community dropping groups, you know what I mean. Today I have an appointment after this at the mm-hmm. anti violence project, mm-hmm. trying to fix fix my migratory status. Mm-hmm. You know that's another thing. Mm-hmm. I remember flying to Brazil two thousand ten with the sugar daddy I had, and he 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 was so cheap. He bought the ch- the cheap way um back and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember um I was stopped at customs the two thousand ten because of my prior. Um, arrest. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been in Rikers and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, street working and survival sex work. Yeah. You know, working in the streets to get that money, you know, to survive, to buy my food, to buy myself a little outfit. You know what I mean? Just for my, my self-being. Mm-hmm. And... I lost myself. <laughs> what was I saying? Um... Migratory status. Yeah. Fine. So I, I, I was, um, I had, um, I was a resident. 2010, coming back from Brazil with this guy, we came through customs through Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I would never go to Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I would always buy a ticket. And if I would buy a ticket, I would make it seem that I would go through Newark, Newark International mm-hmm. Airport, or LaGuardia, mm-hmm. or, or um, JFK Airport. And he bought it coming back through Atlanta. And that's where I got my problems. Okay. They stopped me. They said I wasn't fit for this country. <laughs> they decided to pull up my rap sheet from years ago. I was clean as a whistle. 
Yeah. I had no warrants, nothing. Mm-hmm. And because I was, you know, trans, they said, oh, you're not fit for this country. And they were uh, trying to, you know, proceeding of removal. Hmm. Wow. And then I fought that case. Luckily, I got, I went to um, Silver River Law Project, gave me a referral to um, a nonprofit organization. They helped me out and I won the case because mm-hmm. I speak good English. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's not like I just got off the boat, like they say, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really want to make us look like you know we're inferior just because we're a poc on trans person yeah like they really think some trans some white people really think we're dumb mm. i'm sorry to say it like that yeah you know these rednecks mm. really thought i'm stupid like you know luckily i know how to express myself and all this and that and i know not to get all proud and ratchet you know ratchet so, you know, that was in my favor. You know, I know how to express myself. And I won the case, thank God. I, and it was it was real, it was, it was, I was almost stepping in water because they said, this guy's a tyrant. The, the judge, oh, he's like, okay. he's a tyrant, he's hard to, so I was, uh, went in there with all my prayers. Hmm. And I won the case and, you know, I had a, I was in house arrest and everything. Oh, wow. Did you have any run-ins with your, like, having to do with your immigration status before then never ever hmm. i was clean i mean you know yeah they messed up my everything now i have political asylum uh, okay i could have been a citizen by now mm-hmm. and so maybe if you're willing to talk about it like your run-ins with like um incarceration and okay um yeah, and when that started and how you kind of got through it. Well, yeah, I got, you know, I got caught up in, um, I was working in a, in a club. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a DT, mm-hmm. you know, got me in. They had a van downstairs, which was called the Sweeper. They had a whole bunch of girls in there, and I was one of them. I remember them taking me, fingerprinting me. We went to Rikers. We went to Rikers. I remember I had to take my clothes off, this and that. I had my bra with me. I started taking hormones, so I had little hormone titties. <laughs> and they asked me, do you want to go on the women's side or the men's side? I actually said I want to go on the guy's side. Hmm. Because I heard the women that would treat us bad. Oh, okay. So, that, you know, I did go on the guy's side. And, you know, I was scared. But when I got there, they actually treated me nice. I was like the Latin queen there. Oh, okay. Yeah, the guys took me in, like the Latino crowd there. Mm -hmm. They took me in. They took me there and they kind of protected me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's like you protect your people, kind of, you know. The little, um, you know. And I remember going to um, lunch. Oh, my God. It was like, I was was like famous. (laughs) Everybody went to like... um, have me as their like you know girlfriend yeah oh wow i remember i had so many love letters and stuff i'm like oh. <laughs> but anyways i hooked up my whole room my whole team there with um cookies and coffee i was getting so much commissary from gifts admirers trying to um you know wow yeah i'd walk in with my suit mm-hmm. <laughs> like this <laughs> like a robot oh yeah and i'd come out with chip ahoy and all these soups. Oh, you would like stuff them in your soups. Yes. <laughs> and then just to, you know, get extra food, I would wash other inmates' clothes. 
or their um towels I would wash. I remember dyeing my hair with Kool Aid, hmm. red Kool Aid at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, how long? Were you and painting my eyebrows with um a marker. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long were you in Rikers? A month. A month. Okay. It was enough for me to wake yeah. up. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do that right now though. Yeah. I mean, back then I had the energy and everything. I can't do that right now. But it sounds like an interesting experience to have, especially in just a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd say it's life skills. Yeah, yeah. I, I did, yeah, it's like, I was there, I guess, for whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not, I'm not proud of it, but I was there, kind yeah, of like, yeah. I was in Rikers, yes. <laughs> but you were like... And general population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once you got out, how did you reestablish yourself? When I got out... I remember they left us off in Queens Boulevard, right there on I. Where you make this where the seven um, changes into the N and R train. Okay. Queens okay. Plaza. Yeah, yeah. There, the bus left us off there, and they gave us like a magic card or whatever at that time. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my trans mother's house. She had to throw me out. She's like, you had me close down my club because I was her club at that time. Oh, I see. They closed down the club, this and that. They raided it. <laughs> so I ended up going to a friend's house. My brother's girlfriend's mother's in Jersey. That's where I lived. Mm-hmm. And they were accepting, so I dressed up and whatever. <laughs> it seems like they're like also throughout the story you're telling like little moments of like finding people that are accepting in sometimes like unexpected places yeah it's always been like that yeah wherever you least expect it there's always been like this angel yeah yeah because like you mentioned like your sister early on like letting you borrow her clothes Mm -hmm. like now like your brother's girlfriend's family like how i don't know i'm wondering how you were you seeking out those like little spaces how did you kind of like assess who was like welcoming to you or who you could well i knew them before my transition okay they already knew like i was flamboyant and all that Mm -hmm. so they were kind of accepting so Mm -hmm. and so was that the main kind of like support system you had when you were starting to transition yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah, and so you moved in with them. So how, yeah, how did you get back into life? How did you start? Um... I would go to Queens and work. Okay. Roosevelt Avenue. Mm-hmm. Go back. Make my money. Go back. From sunrise. Mm-hmm. And for what were you doing then, like, outside of just working did you connect oh you were just i mean i made friends out there but it was just you know how it is when you're out there's more competition than yeah those girls are catty you know Mm. you know and then later on you know when i got political asylum i decided to start doing activist work i worked with the center for many years i did um the dropping groups i did i don't know i still do a lot of activist work Mm -hmm. you know because it's in me as an activist 
Yeah. When you see a younger person, a person that's struggling, a POC, or, you know, you, you could tell that, you know, you could feel another soul that's trans. Mm-hmm. I reach out to them, give them a couple of bucks, or um, ask them, are you hungry? Are you here tomorrow? I have a wake for you. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. They can, yeah. a clothes, something they can, you know, it's, I know how much that means to a person. Mm-hmm. A little something, a lipstick, a lip liner. Little things like that, you know what I mean? mean a lot to us when we don't have nothing. Yeah. And so when did you start getting into activist work and like what kind of first put you in that kind of position? Well, I started working with um, Trans Latina Network, mm-hmm. with Christina Herrera started working there and you know doing like I said the the the, the Spanish groups you know I'm, I'm I speak like four languages Spanish English Portuguese French deeper and that's how I was you know what I mean we used to do groups in Queens and all this we did the trans march okay. and so how did you start like finding your voice in those spaces. Do you have any moments that you like particularly remember or are proud of? Just voicing myself when, whenever, you know, you hear people talking and it's like some experience you have, mm-hmm. that kind of, that's when it comes into training, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like what are we doing right now, oral history? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we got like some good detail around like the early part of your life but how has your life been kind of since then what were the big things that happened for you since you started transitioning big things yeah well when i when i got like when i got to um get my breast implants i mean my physical i was always you know i was always padded I'll put a whole couch in my hips, <laughs> <laughs> you know the the that and 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 also the the mental, the physically. Once you once you start getting established, and you start feeling comfortable in your skin, it's like there's no turning back, mm. you know. Yeah, and so how did you start getting access to mm-hmm. the surgeries and everything? Well, when I worked in Calm, mm. I had moved out to Chicago. And that's why I pretty much worked out of the reader. It's like the village voice over there. Mm-hmm. We're dad. I made enough money to go to Brazil, get my nose, my breasts. I started getting silicone, even though that wasn't a good thing. To feminize myself. Mm-hmm. Doing shows. I was a big show girl over there. You know. In Brazil? No, in, in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah, because I grew up there. Mm. When did you start... When did you go to Chicago? Uh, around 2003, 2002. Okay. 2004. Mm. I lived there for five years. But then I was like, oh, this is not New York. <laughs> it's not New York. There's nothing like New York. Mm. I got to go back to New York. <laughs> and I got, I got another situation with a DT. Mm. I got caught up and that was it. I went back home. Grabbed two bags, put everything, got on a Greyhound. And here I come, Big Apple. <laughs> yep. Why, why Chicago? 
Because we went there for Miss Continental, which Miss Continental was um, a beauty contest, like Miss America for trans people. Yeah, yeah. You heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So, Continental, we, you know. Were you competing in it? No, 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 no. I mean, when I lived there, that was like, they were, I was in the, on the, they were trying to mold me into that track, you know, because I was supposed to, like, later on compete. But, you know. Is there anything else that you feel like we might have missed or you want to go No, that's to? pretty much it. Like, a summary of everything. It's just now, it's just, now it's just, Activist work, you know what I mean? I'm, I actually have to talk to a friend today, you know, Mariah Lopez. Mm. She was um, a daughter of Silver Rivera. Yeah. She's actually was had, telling me about um, Star, mm-hmm. one of the oldest movements of street workers, alliance. You know, street transvestite action revolutionaries. Yeah, yeah. She wanted me to um take over that with her. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I heard she's restarting it. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Hmm. How did you get connected with Mariah? Cause she's like a pretty. How do I know her? I don't even remember. <laughs> How do I know? I don't even know right now. You know, yeah. I don't. E- I'm trying to. Where did I meet her? I just know her. Yeah. From around and. And, like, you know, we just come across each other in different times and different days. And, you know, when you get along with somebody, you don't need to explain. You yeah. just, we yeah. see the same eye to eye and things and levels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And, oh, I did want to ask about something, which was, like, how you mentioned going to, like, Alvin Ailey really early on. Yeah. Right? Dancing, samba, dancing. Well, Alvin was more like a modern dance. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was more like, I remember doing the, you know, the Michael Jackson. <laughs> Unfortunately, my instructor, he died oh. at that time of HIV oh. AIDS. But how did you, like, first get into, like, that kind of dance? The school. Scene? Yeah, the school. The school recognized me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a paid for. Oh, wow. It's good, right? Yeah. That was that good. <laughs> and how is like dance and music more generally like helped you throughout your life? Everything. It, I'm here. I'm alive because of music. Yeah. I'm alive because of music. Mm. Before I came here, I blasted my music. My neighbors must hate me. I blasted <laughs> the music you could hear in the next block. Mm-hmm. I always been like that. My father used to turn the music down on me. Mm-hmm. That was like my. My way of rebellion. Yeah. Dancing and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how are you feeling now? Oh, I feel like I, I literally spilled my heart out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of things, you know. It's yeah. a lot of trauma, a lot of things like, oh. Okay, well, we can... It if you feel okay. Yeah, like the only thing right now, like I say, I just keep on with my activist work and it's another chapter in my life. 37, I don't have the energy I used to, mm-hmm. but I have the knowledge and the wisdom that helps me go on and, you know, definitely help others. Mm-hmm. Others climb the rope. 
or whatever, you know. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Mm. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful phrase to yeah. finish up on. Anyways, you want to cry? Mm. It can make you or break you, this city. That's why when I walk in the streets, I know they're in New York. Mm. You know? Yeah. You should take advantage of all these good things, all these good programs. And, you know, thanks to New York Library. Mm -hmm. Reading between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> Always heard that since a young kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question, actually? Sure. I mean, how does it feel to be, like, walking down the streets but, like, know what New York was like, especially for queer people, for trans girls? Like, how, what is, what does it feel like to still be in New York now and, like, see all these big changes? I feel like a survivor. I feel like, wow, i come this long and I've seen this city change. And it's sad but it's happy when you see like the revolutionary, you know, now now we have more laws, now we're allowed to use our gender preferred. Um, you know, we have pronouns, we have so many things. We're very progressive in this city. Mm -hmm. You know, we have uh, the mayor and Cuomo supposed to be on our side now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And for the young kids, it's like, there's so many programs out there, there's more accepting, you know what I mean? It's more acceptance. I mean, and, you know, it's just... I feel like it's a safe space, you know? And you're not alone. Mm -hmm. That type of deal. Yeah. Of course, you're going to find evil people everywhere. People that, you know, bigots and people that are, take their religious beliefs into their everyday life, into their workspace. You know what I mean? It's like... It's fucked up sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. Some cab drivers don't want to stop for us. Mm -hmm. Some Uber drivers still give us a hard time, lifts, you know. Not considerate. Everything's a joke to people. Mm -hmm. When it comes down to a trans or a person of, of gender nonconforming, this is not a joke. This is our lives. Our lives matter, mm -hmm. you know. With all this movement now, you know. Just to keep a positive mind and go home and learn how to just leave that out there and just, you know, just think positive and reju rejuvenate yourself and keep yourself surrounded by positive people in a safe space, you know. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. giving us your time. Yeah. I feel like one of the guardian angels for the trans community now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.